in five years there will be a different champion there will be a different world record all these things tumble all the time and therefore I think a certain level of openness of flexibility of realizing that things will change but they can also change for the better it doesn't necessarily mean that they will change for the worse Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Mercedes, the podcast by Mercedes-Benz. This is all about exciting topics like mobility, innovation, technology and much more. To open up new perspectives and to gain deeper insights, we meet experts from inside Mercedes-Benz and experts from all over the world. My name is Sarah Elsa, I'm your host and I'm looking forward to discovering the latest news and trends with you. So thank you for listening and now let's talk Mercedes. Workout at home has accompanied many of us during the COVID-19 outbreak, but one sportsman has taken it all to the next level. In March, he completed an Ironman triathlon in his own four walls. Via livestream, fans worldwide were able to follow the special event that was also for a good cause. More than 2,000 euros were donated to support the healthcare system in Spain. The name of the exceptional athlete, Jan Frodeno. A few days prior to the shutdown, we had the opportunity to talk with Jan about his personal motivation and the ups and downs of his career as a top athlete. Have fun listening. Running is my daily ritual, my heart, my everything. That's what our guest says about his passion. He's a three-time Ironman Hawaii winner and made history because he was the first German triathlete to win the gold medal at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. I'm so excited to have him here. Welcome, Jan Frodeno. Hey, thanks for having me. You're sitting here totally relaxed when I was doing this introduction about all your remarkable success. Are you getting used to it or is it still special for you to hear the episodes of your success? You know, success is something very relative that changes all the time and, and titles come and go. Uh, next year is another world championship and, you know, it'll be challenged again. And eventually it, it's going to be, you know, a thing of the past. But uh, there are, of course, some wonderful me memories attached to it and some that I will cherish for a long time. So, yeah, I, I don't bask in it, but I do enjoy it. Jan, today we're in Girona. That's your like hometown here in Spain. I really have to ask you, as a multiple winner of the Ironman, did you jog here or ride your bike? <laughs> you, you know what? The, the sad truth is I did not only ride my bike here. My bike is an e-bike. So <laughs> the truth <laughs> is that I, I use it a lot because Girona is, a, is an ancient town. There are a lot of small streets and it's just a lot quicker to commute to places, uh, go against one-way streets. Uh, I didn't just say that. But, um, you know, just moving around is, is uh, very much a simple thing but then I live on top of a hill which is about 12% steep so that's where the e-bike gets me going when I have to drag the kids back up and but uh, nobody you you don't mention that right you say yeah. I, I'm always cycling up the the hills it's not a problem for me yeah that's what I think that's what I let my competitors know but uh, the truth <laughs> is you know I, I I cycle about 18 to 20,000 k's a year so that's something that puts me on my limit as it is and I don't need to do an extra 100 kilometers of commuting in a week just to to add to it We're going to talk about your remarkable success, of course, today, but I also want to talk to you about uh, mobility and technology. And of course, I like to take the chance to get to know you a little bit better. So we have a challenge for each guest of our episode, um, also for you. 
I think you like it. You're a sportsman. You have to like challenge, right? Here we go. Here we go. That's a that's a right mindset. So um, I'm going to start a sentence, and I'd like to <laughs> you to finish it. So are you ready? Uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so uh, first line: the longest journey I have ever taken by car was. The longest journey by car would have been probably from Germany to Portugal as a little kid uh, driving on holidays. So uh, this was one of those typical journeys, you know, 10 Ks in. Uh, are we are we there yet? You know, one of those asking for a lot of snacks. But I remember it vividly because we drove from the cold and next thing I know, it was so hot that we had to open all the windows. It was a, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> um, second line is, I can't live without. I can't live without... Coffee, I would have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very big on coffee. Coffee is my ritual. It's my daily grounding thing. I, I have a very manual process which I go about, and that uh, takes about five minutes to prepare a coffee. But it's my daily grounding, five minutes to myself in the morning. So uh, I, I can't go without coffee. Um, third and last line for me: mobility means. Mobility means freedom. It really boils down to that. The ability to go anywhere. I think this is highlighted the most when you're coming into your late teenage years and you really, you're, you're bound by mobility and, and the ability to go from places. And, and, and I remember my first car was definitely that freedom of being able to travel places that I couldn't go with my bike. So, Jan, I have so many questions for you, but um, before we talk about mobility and your, yeah, let's say, pioneer work in terms of technology for running and cycling, let's talk about your success. For example, last year, you not just won the Ironman, you also set a new um, course record. So did you remember or do you remember the, the particular moment when you crossed the finish line or is it something which is so overwhelming that you cannot find any emotion at that time you know i have to say that especially last year's race was so unique and so special to me because it was the first time that i felt really good during a race you know uh, iron man is a lot about perseverance about overcoming obstacles about uh negating the fact that you're actually done You know, it's just just not giving up. That really is a lot of what Ironman is about. And and this time my preparation went well enough that I was able to actually enjoy parts of the race. And that's why they're the most vivid and the most um, colorful memory that I have of the race. The finish line at an Ironman is always... It's, it's a love-hate kind of thing because when you're winning, of course, it's a joyous moment, but at the same time, you're just glad that it's over. So I would say that I have the race in a more positive memory and uh, to be... To actually answer your question, no, I can't remember crossing the finish line. So what is the toughest part of such a race? Is there anything like when you're exactly in the middle of the race, you think, oh, no, I just have to uh, go on another four hours? Or is it like, yes, four hours done, I can see almost the finish line? Or what is the, the toughest part at it? Well, the toughest part is getting to the start line healthy. That's the uh, that's the toughest part because it's a lot of preparation. You know, we do very little racing and it's one chance you get on one day. So there's a lot in there and, you know, you have to play with a limit more or less every single day to improve at a certain stage. And when you're playing with the limit, you're bound to find it and you're bound to break something, which in this case is your body. But I think the answer you're looking for is generally about kilometer 35 where things get sticky in the marathon. Um, it just seems to be a physiological kind of boundary where things just get particularly tough. But that, again, is one of the things that makes a good athlete great is being able 
to formulate the worst situation into something positive. So that made you to one of the best world, world best athletes. Um, but we didn't mention before that you were injured in 2017 and you had to took off in 2018. What was that kind of uh, experience for you? Because you had to set out two years before you could start again at, a, at an Ironman. Yeah, so 2017 was unique in the sense that I got injured during the race, uh, which was a humbling experience going in as a, as a defending world champion and in, in a decent or, or good shape. And then having to walk a large part of the marathon was definitely a humbling experience. But um, 2018 was the limit that I talked about earlier that I was looking for and, and, and just my body didn't hold up in that, in that moment. But it was also a very, very valuable experience because it made, it made me realize that I'm not ready to hang up my shoes. Uh, watching from the sidelines was an incredibly tough experience and one that I that I don't think I'm ready to repeat just yet. And that's why it was actually a very, very valuable experience. So you say vulnerability is kind of a strength for people as well, or is it not There's like that? There's a huge <laughs> strength in vulnerability. There's a huge strength in, 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 in doubt and, and in self-doubt because it makes sure that you don't stop where you are it makes sure that there's no level of content where you just say okay well this is fine you know when you realize that that time is precious and that opportunities are few that i think is one of the most valuable things in in general in any situation to actually make you pursue an avenue that you otherwise might just you know be content to 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 leave without so speaking about that moment, um, when you're really um, challenging your mind, like I, ha I have to find something good in this situation. My whole body is hurting, but I have to find the, the positive way. So how do you do that? I mean, what is your advice for the people to, yes, to train the mindset, to, to see the positive things? Yeah, it's funny. I, I recently read a story where they asked people if that they could travel into any moment into the future or the past and i think something like 99 point something percent chose to go to the past because there's some kind of certainty in the past yet there is opportunity in the future and i think the the key is to not get too caught up with both because the only time you can influence is right here right now you, you can't really influence what's going to happen in four months or in four years from now, right? And I think that's that's the most important thing, to have an openness, um, to realize that nothing is set in stone. And of course, that's very difficult for some people because you've achieved a certain level of comfort and you would like to... To stay there, but that's exactly what I was mentioning earlier about success. Uh, in 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 five years, there will be a different champion. There will be a different world record. All these things tumble all the time, and therefore, I think a certain level of openness, of flexibility, of realizing that things will change, but they can also change for the better. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will change for the worse, and and that's I think the important thing that you realize that you have a small part but generally your mind is the one that tells you whether a situation is good or bad so you can influence what what your thoughts are and that sounds a lot easier than than it's you know than 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 it's actually done but we are all unique and our thoughts are unique and that's why we all have to invest some kind of time into really figuring out who we are where we come from and and where we can go 
So you can't really influence what comes up in your mind, you can inf- but you can influence what you do with that thought. And that's my key anyways to, to making tomorrow count. Yeah, it's always a bright and a dark side in life. And we need both. That's, that's Absolutely. Tr- that's yeah. true. But um, when you cross um, the last, uh, when you're the last to cross the finish line or you get injured, the whole world has its eyes open on you so how do you deal with that yeah i don't want to say failure but let's let's do it like this and this um how do you deal with the failure and um the defeat so there are various parts to this and uh, the one thing i've had to realize is that success after failure is worth far more than straightforward success somehow in society we seem to seek out the failed ones that have done a comeback. A comeback seems to be so much more, so much worth, worth so much more than just a straight line success. The other thing is um, having kids. I've got two kids and my son couldn't care less what happens on the race course. Like he's, he's happy, but you know, he's more happy if we go to the trampoline afterwards and, and practice his somersaults. And that really puts, you know, a relativity on life. You know, everything we tend to take ourselves to be so important, but really we're not, you know, that we're just a small part and we can create joy and we can create drama. But the reality is that our influence is, is, is quite little. And if we don't take ourselves to be that important, then I think everything falls into place pretty quickly. It's very interesting because when you look at the R&D departments, for example, for, from a, a car manufacturer like Mercedes-Benz, you see that failure is something quite normal because if they won't try out things, if they won't fail and learn, they wouldn't find the best way. So what is your advice to, let's say, feel more comfortable with failure or say it's not failure, it's trying out and testing options? Yeah, I think the first the first idea is to, like you said, not define failure as something bad. Define failure as something to build upon, and it's it's a cliche, of course, I know, but always think that Michael Jordan, the perhaps greatest basketball player of all time, he missed more times than he than he actually made the shots. And if you think about that, he failed more more times than he actually succeeded at, at you know at, at throwing a ball into a basket, and somehow failure is indeed necessary to find the next level, to find the next step. It, it, life is always connected to trial and error. And an error is simply a, a point somewhere in your life where you realize, okay, I need to take another direction. It's it's more an advice to go and, and try something new than it is to take, than it is to strive for perfection. Because perfection I think is very theoretical. It doesn't exist. Nobody has a perfect career. Nobody has a perfect development. And the interesting part really is what made people realize where they had to turn a corner in order to to find the solution. Jan, we pick every time in our podcast a reason headline for each uh, guest. And we did some research and found that headline from November 2019. Deutsche Welle wrote an article about you with the headline, and I quote, It's always a playing with the limit. In digital transformation times like these, many people really have fear about leaving their comfort zone. What is your advice to really make out the first steps um, out of the comfort zone? 
realize that your comfort zone is an illusion. Um, it really is. Uh, it, it, it's a privilege. Your your life, your everyday life, is a privilege. And the problem is that we have a a, a culture of expectation of things continuing and and somehow a culture of entitlement even that we think that the comforts that we have in our world especially where where we are currently living are to be taken for granted you know they're basic services as we call them but they're actually when you go to places i mean having grown up in africa those basic services are, are not quite so basic there they're actually quite advanced and they're actually quite privileged and sometimes i think it would be very worthwhile to see how little we can actually have a great life with. You know, there is a, a famous philosopher who I can't remember right now who, what his name was, but he said, perfection is not when you cannot add anything. Perfection is when you cannot take anything away. And I think that kind of minimalism shows us that we have so many luxuries and so many beautiful things around that are exactly that, luxuries. We we, we can our life will be no poorer without it and that i think is a simple thing to, for people to lose fear to lose fear of of losing their status quo i think again everything presents an opportunity but we will be just fine without you know a third mobile phone and 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 all these things all these luxuries we have that actually very few people need a lot of people, um, according to brain research, are literally aversive to change. So what do you think? How can we help the people to see all the things you can see? How did you start back then when you were not that good at it? Um, to be honest, I, I just failed plenty of times. I honestly, I, it, it took me, I don't know, seven years of being a professional until I won my first race. That means that every time I raced, I failed, essentially. And you have that in sports, obviously, quite easy because it's black and white. You either win or you don't, and you make a session or you don't. But uh, in life, it, it's not that different. It's just that we we're so worried about opinions and, and, and what people think that sometimes we're not really happy to make up our own minds. And I think, again, it just comes back to to losing fear and losing fear of failure because it's 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 a normal thing it really nobody is perfect and all of us together can achieve way more than than we can individually with a perfect performance you know if we can be a small part of the cog that works together with the next person i think that's something that will make us master any situation in the future But who am I to say? You know, <laughs> I just um, you're just a three-time Ironman Hawaii winner. Yes, who are you yeah. to say that one? <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, it's just something that that sport has taught me to look for the positive in any situation. Oftentimes, they, 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 it might just seem absolutely silly. And the first time I did an Ironman, I honestly. I, I got a cramp at the first kilometer of the marathon. And, and, and I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, why am I doing this? Like, why could I not have just studied to be a normal, I don't know, accountant or, or whatever? But I realized that for me, the, the pain of sitting in an office for nine hours is far worse than it is of doing an Ironman for eight. And I think the, the realization is just that whether you believe you can or you believe you cannot – you're probably right. And it was Henry Ford who actually said that first. Um, there's, there's a lot of truth to that.
People who know you better say you're a perfectionist who looks for the tiniest technical advantage to save time. Um, there was a really great event in Sindelfingen where the Sindelfingen wind tunnel is from Mercedes-Benz and they're testing the, uh, the aerodynamics of cars. And at a special event, you once uh, ran a comparison between uh, Mercedes-Benz CLA Coupé and yourself on a bicycle. So how did you perform? <laughs> yeah, I was just really lucky that I'm actually a lot smaller than this car because aerodynamically, <laughs> to put it bluntly, I uh, I didn't fare too well. Um, uh, of course, because of my surface area, which is how you measure aerodynamics, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still in an advantage. But it was actually established that sitting on a normal city bike, you know, as we call them uh, in Germany and Hollandrad, like one of those typical town bikes where you sit nice and upright, You're actually less aerodynamic than if you're sitting in the CLA Coupe. And it's just uh, amazing to see how much energy flows into yeah, creating not, not only cars that, you know, for the sports enthusiasts go faster, but of course the amount of, of resources and, and petrol you save by simply being in a more aerodynamic car. Yeah, for those who haven't seen the video yet, we put the link into the show notes so everyone can have a look at this really interesting experiment. But um, let me point out for the car manufacturer, it's very important to have a good aerodynamic because um, they want to save fuel. They want to um, reduce emission, for example. What is your target when you think about aerodynamics? What do you want to reduce? Is it just that you want to be faster or is it something like, I don't know, calories or what is it? Well, it's, it's exactly the same as for the car manufacturers because on one side you have the sports freaks who, you know, from an AMG point of view, just want to have the fastest car <laughs> that can go as fast as possible around a track. But then it's, on the other hand, exactly like you said about saving fuel. And this is the same for me. When I start a race day, I have a certain amount of fuel in my body. And with that amount of fuel, I'm trying to get from A to B as fast as possible. So that's the idea of aerodynamics to, yes, be faster, but at the same time, save energy or be within my means of spending energy so that I can still run a marathon in the end. So actually, there are a lot of parallels. There are a lot of discussions about emissions right now in a society. And um, when you've been to the wind tunnel, I think you had a chance to talk to the uh, engineers there. Do you have another um, view to this one? You know, that's... Uh Emissions is, is such a tough topic because there are, there are lots of things and there are lots of pros and cons. You know, we always need to try to reduce to the minimum, but in the end, you will reduce the minimum if you put the most amount of people into, uh, into one moving vehicle, right? Um, I've recently had the pleasure of changing to the EQC, which is totally emission free. Um, and, Of course, that's an option, but it has its downsides as well. You know, no technology is perfect. And it brings us back to the perfectionism we were talking about earlier. It's to strive to get as good as possible because perf perfect will never exist. And that's where you have to really commend the, the engineers and, and, and the scientists who are working on solutions to make mobility as eco-friendly as possible. But I think it will continue to be a very substantial pillar of our society to, to keep going because really that's what our society is built on, is mobility. Since 2016, you've been a global brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz and therefore you are also part of that team. What parallels do you see between you as a top athlete and a premium car brand like Mercedes-Benz? 
it comes back to looking for for improvement. I think um, Mercedes-Benz is a world leader in, in car manufacturing, in developing cars and developing technologies. And that goes all the way through from the sustainability aspect to the F1 team that's looking for the highest performance. And, and really that's something that i that i see within myself that i that i look for and that i'm very proud to be associated with because i think yeah it's it's again trying to be the best in the world and i think that's what mercedes is striving for and that's certainly what i'm striving for Jan, at the end of each podcast episode we would like to ask you um for your future scenario and um, in this term we want to have your wishes so what is your wish for traveling in terms of mobility in the future what is missing what should be invented or what should be more widely distributed in your opinion in in my opinion the thing we're missing especially with traveling is a sense of awareness a sense of awareness of where we are of our planet as a whole and needing to treat things uh, including ourselves with with more care and respect you know it's not just about us going to a place partying for a week and just leaving a mess behind um or same thing traveling wherever we go um in terms of yeah just being a little bit more sustainable being a little bit more aware of of the consequences that we that we do everybody's talking about reducing travel but sometimes travel is essential but just make it exactly that you know we have so many beautiful places nearby why not visit them first rather than um you know go go on a trip to asia And that has a value. Of course, that has a value too. But let's just be a little bit more aware, a little bit more conscious of our decisions. And I think then we'll go a long way. Thank you so much, Jan, for your time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we hope to hear you soon next time for another episode of Let's Talk Mercedes. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.